Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing on today? I am your host, Isaiah Harper, and I would like to welcome all of our listeners to the Next Level Faith Podcast. Amen. Certainly, we want to thank each and every single one of you on today for tuning in. And at this time, we would like to just take a moment to give a special thank you to our sponsors. We want to thank Bishop Gary Harper, our pastor, and the Greater Grace Temple Taylor Christian Education Department. For without you, we would not be able to do the things that we're able to do. Shout out to Deacon Sean, who is our superintendent. And at this time, we're going to introduce our, introduce our co-host. I want to introduce Sister April, Brother Mari, and Sister Ashley. Can you all introduce yourselves on today? Hello, my name is April Sams. What up, everybody? This is your boy, Mari Coleman. We're going to take your faith to the next level. Hey, podcast family, this is Ashley. Hey, these are the hosts on today. And today we're going to be discussing, be discussing two very important topics, topics that we are seeing and experiencing right now. We're living through it every single day. When we turn on the television, we're dealing with the subject of racism and Black Lives Matter. Racism is so powerful and it is so disturbing uh, that we still have to go through and talk about racism on today. Seems like we've been dealing with this since the beginning of slavery. And this is something that African-Americans simply cannot just seem to shake. And unfortunately, racism doesn't appear to be going away. And there are people who are just going to be racist. There, there are just racist people out there. And it seems like ever since Trump got in office, that that racist spirit has just been unleashed over the over the country. And we see these closet racists who were once closet racists. Now they're out showing the true colors. And we have these cops who are beating down our young African-American men. Um, and this is nothing new. This is something that we've seen. It's been going on for quite some time. And the habit needs to break. Black people doesn't seem like we can catch a break doesn't seem like we can catch a break at all uh you know with the racial profiling and all of the things that the harassment that african-americans have to go through how do you feel about racism and cops targeting black people how do you feel about the condition that is taking place in america at this time we're gonna ask mari if he can answer that question yes sir yeah isaiah you opened up making a very powerful point mentioning that racism is powerful Let's talk about that. Racism is so powerful. It's been going on since the Bible days. Okay. We have uh, the Egyptians. They were racist and they enslaved the Hebrews. You had the Jews. They were enslaved. I mean, the list goes on. Okay. And now what we see is racism is still abounding in the world. Solomon said that there is nothing new under the sun. And what people must understand is that racism, racism is much deeper than a social issue. It's actually a spiritual issue. And it's spiritual, but it manifests in the social or natural realm. So what it is, is it's a spirit of division that makes me or somebody hate somebody else because the color of their skin because they're different and it makes somebody feel better about themselves because of the, the color of their skin and that's called privileged and we have white privilege going on right now in america and it's very, very sad that even the spirit of racism exists amongst those who are in authority known as police officers police officers who use their position to beat down to smash to 
crush and to suppress a people. And it's very sad that you have these white cops doing this to black people, especially the black male. And now what we see is there is a handful of racist policemen that are making the majority of the cops and the whole department look bad. You know, I know of some good cops, and I guarantee you all of you know of some good cops out there, but now those good cops and their jobs have become that much more difficult than what they already are because of the other agenda that is being pushed by a handful of racist white cops. And it's very sad that negativity is spreads faster than good news and positivity but that's just how the enemy does he paints a picture by using a little small portion of people to represent a whole community of people that's what he does you know but that's my spiel on it and you know what you're absolutely right that's exactly what the enemy does um ashley how do you feel about racism and and this current condition of what's going on during this time, during the climate of the of, of the United States with all of these things, how do you feel about young African Americans being targeted by uh, these cops who appear to be racist? I just feel that when is enough going to be enough? Um, this has been going on for far too long. There's no real justice, no real arrest being made. Um, I'm so grateful that social media is bringing more awareness to this and. Um, our struggle and the stuff that's going on with the black community. And I just feel that cops do hide behind their badge by acting within, without the scope of their job. I agree. Cops are definitely hiding behind their badges. They, you know, when you get a badge, you, you feel that power surge and you got a lot of cops who, who, uh, you know, they used to get picked on in high school and now that they got a badge, they feel like, you know, they can uh, bully somebody else. Now, April, I want to ask you this question. How do you feel about the current condition, the state that we're in with all of these African-Americans who, who seem to be not getting justice in America? I feel like we're still protesting the same violence and racism. It may seem like nothing hasn't changed, but I feel like this is a wake up call. If we look at history, it's been a repeating cycle of racism and the people are being arrested for, you know, to prevent exercising their rights. Um, even situations like fitting the description of a hooded sweater or the color of our skin, all these various situations that's going on, there's an outcry to our protesters and we need to be heard. We need to make a change. Certainly now is the time to be heard. We see this going on with the Black Lives Matter uh, a movement, the protests that are uh, taking place each and every single day. Now, you know, some people may have, you know, may have not dealt with racism or um, ever experienced it. You know, has have have any of you ever dealt with racism? I know me. I grew up in the suburbs. I never, you know, had to deal with racism. I grew up in, in Canton and I didn't really have to deal with racism. Um, but have any of you ever dealt with racism or do you, uh, you know, can you remember the first time you had a, a racist experience? We're going to ask April if she can answer that. No, I never had to deal with um, that type of experience. Um, I just think about the incident with the one young 17 year old that was fatally shot by an officer 
and they made so many attempts to cover up the event. That was very touching to me. I can only imagine what the family had to endure. Right. We've never, you know, may not have personally experienced it, but certainly when we see these things, we can definitely relate to how somebody would feel. I know I wouldn't feel great if, if my son, you know, if I had a, a situation where my son was, you know, walking down the street with a with some Skittles and with a hood on and he gets racially profiled and, and uh, killed in the street. Um, you know, Mari, have you ever dealt with racism? I know, you know, you grew up in the suburbs just like me. You were right down the road from me. I grew up in Kent. You were out there in, in Belleville, down there in, in God's country. Did you ever experience any type of racism when you were coming up? Yes, sir. Even in God's country, man. You know, even in God's country. I'm going to tell you something. Um, I've been blessed. The God, God, he spared me. I have never dealt with something like a George Floyd incident, something that blatant. But I have dealt with the more subtle forms of racism because racism is systematic is woven in the very fibers of the thinking of the everyday American what I mean by that is this so I, I've often seen times to where you have two people and because somebody has the correct skin color they get chosen over somebody else who has the quote-unquote wrong skin color when the wrong skin color may have better qualifications. They might be more qualified. Their skill set might be higher. But because the person of the quote-unquote right skin color is of the right complexion, he has the quote-unquote protection. So what I mean by that is this. The system is built around to promote and push white people. They get picked first. They get chosen first. They get raises first. They get advancement advancement first, even in school and even on the job. I grew up actually next door to a guy on a different occasion. He had a Confederate flag and he never bothered me. I grew up around different people. So I never, I never felt threatened by white people. This man, he had a Confederate flag. He was very nice to me and my family. For some reason, his neighbors were black, which was us, and he would come over our house. Sometime my mom, she would barbecue chicken, and he would ask for some. He would be eating, and he actually invited my father out to go fishing with him. He's a very cool guy, but he had a Confederate flag, though. But I did not let that flag make me forget what he, I guess, stood for in belief, and that was a system, and that was a system that oppressed people of color, that raped people of color, that enslaved people of color, and he might have been confused himself because he was, I mean, he had the flag, but yeah, he was coming over our house eating and stuff like that. But on another occasion, I saw the ugly side of racism very recently. My neighbor, of course, you know, she judged me based upon the color of my skin. We, you know, we got into an altercation about her you know she said that I was driving on her lawn which I never did in my life and I kept telling her over and over and over again and here she is on my porch telling me I saw you I saw you I asked her, I said when did you see me she never answered <laughs> the questions I saw you driving on my lawn and you're supposed to be a man of the cloth you're a Christian right you're supposed to be saved and then after she could not defeat me she said you know what I knew you were gonna be trouble from the first day I saw you move over here, I knew you were going to be trouble. In my head, I said, wow, 
you knew that much about me from the first time you saw me move over here next door. You didn't you didn't even have the conversation, but when you saw me, you knew I was gonna be trouble. What did she see? She saw skin color, systematic racism. It's all around us. You just gotta look hard enough and you'll see it. But that's my spiel on it though. Yeah, she certainly revealed you know the content of her heart is you know as soon as you moved in she she had a preconceived notion uh because you were african-american she had you know thoughts concerning african-americans already and right you know she tried to call you out on that and you know i want to um highlight something that you said you said something very very interesting and very powerful because you know it's like you have two different aspects or two different sides of racism you've got your racist that I would I would call them closet racist where, you know, they'll treat you right. You know, they'll they'll shake your hand. They'll go fishing with you. They'll you know, but deep down inside, you know, they still have this hatred towards, you know, people that are from a different race than they are. You know, you have people who know how to be cordial. They know how to conduct themselves around people and you would never know it. But when they get around their friends, you know, then the racist jokes come out and, and that white pride comes out and you kind of get to see where they are. And then you have the people, you know, kind of like the KKK and, you know, all of these other, you know, hate groups and, you know, these guys who are walking around with swastikas tattooed on them. You know, they're pretty much in, you know, directly in your face. They're, they're letting you know where they stand. And, you know, this is the type of thing that we're dealing with today. We're dealing with racism and it's not just people who you know who are so direct that you have to worry about it's kind of the people that are indirect now Ashley I want to ask you the question you know what is your earliest memory of uh, becoming aware of racism did you ever have to deal with it did you you know have any loved ones or family members that you know dealt with it so I never um, experienced being um, well racism but I do remember having conversations with my grandparents due to them being fearful of their grandchildren being pulled over. And you can tell from the seriousness, the seriousness in their faith as well as their tone um, when it came to um, surviving being pulled over. So they definitely made sure that they talked to us about complying, following directions, and as well as not agitating officers when it came to being pulled over. Absolutely. Now, you know, since all of these uh, circumstances that have happened, you know, with George Floyd and uh, Ahmaud Arbery, I believe, you know, the police officers have been coming under fire because of, you know, the Afri African-Americans who have been um, being killed. And there's now uh, uh, a debate on whether we should defund the police department. You know, do you think that it's a good idea to defund the police department? Do you think... Um, that this is something that will help benefit our society? Um, is this a direction that you believe our country should go in? How do you feel, April? What are your thoughts? Yes, well, I think defunding is not the answer. I think they need to make some improvements, like ban the chokeholds and uh, make a lot of improvements uh, with the body cameras and other things is such that nature. Um, but if we can create like a nonviolent society, invest our time in like education and training people in our communities that will help reduce like other, you know, crimes. I think if we 
like steer toward that direction and more focus on that, we can have a better society. I definitely agree. I think the the help of, you know, better police training will definitely help the situation as far as you know, officers who, you know, go through, you know, police academy and all of these things. I believe that we need to be tr- that they need to be trained. Mari, how do you feel about, you know, defunding the police department? Is it going to really help society or is it going to just make things turn chaotic and turn into the movie The Purge? No, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> right. I am 100 percent against defunding the police. Just the very thought of it. Are you crazy defunding law and order? Yeah, it sounds pretty crazy. We know that there's some bad cops out there. We know that there's some crooked departments. But when you give somebody an inch or when you give an agenda an inch, they'll run a mile with it. Defund law and order. Listen, us law-abiding citizens are going to suffer even more than the wicked people because law-abiding citizens they call the cops exactly criminals they get the uzis they get the ars out so what you're gonna have is you're gonna have anarchy you're gonna have people kicking down your door and they're not gonna feel threatened because when you call the cops they know the cops are an hour away because there are two calls behind yours exactly answering so when the cops show up, they're just going to show up to pick up dead bodies. They're not going to show up to kind of help you because by the time they get there, it's going to already be a wrap. I heard that the city of Inkster only has nine cops for both shifts. Wow. Nine cops for a whole city. So it, it, nine or 12. And, and it's like they show up to pick up the dead body. They show up after all the action has already happened. So defunding the police is another agenda that people cannot see that really is going to allow for the mafia to come in. Okay? Organized crime is going to go to an all-time high. The cartel, they control the border between South America and Texas right now. So what you're going to have is when law and order moves out, then organized crime, mafias, and it all comes in. And then they're going to take over territories and cities. And pretty soon, it's going to look like Gotham. Y'all seen Batman, right? <laughs> Gotham, <laughs> organized crime controls that city. And we're if we're need not Batman. careful, Gotham, the, the whole United States is going to become a Gotham. I agree. So sorry. We might we're have to. Do it. It's a bad idea. <laughs> we might Terrible have to... <laughs> idea. We might have to call the Avengers and Batman and, and uh, Superman to come help us. It's, it's, it looks like it's, it's heading that way. And certainly, um, you know, I think there's a common understanding that many police departments are already, you know, kind of suffering. We know that police officers are already underpaid. Um, certainly uh, the police department taking cuts um, is not going to be beneficial towards society. This is just, you know, what I believe. It just makes sense. You know, when you got police, when you got troops and you got the police on the streets, you know, crime probably tends to stay at a lower rate, but you, you get rid of those police officers, then people feel emboldened and they feel like they can get away with, you know, what they may not have been able to get away with. Ashley, how do you feel about defunding, you know, the police department? I am totally against it. So I stand with you guys in regards to the matter. Um, I do feel like community policing is very important. 
and defunding the police is not a good idea. Um, laws were created for a reason, which is to protect the people and make sure that we feel safe and secure. So defunding the police will definitely not make us feel safe and secure as well. It will, it will heighten our tension and um, anxiety and stress level, and which is not a good thing for the people. I know I probably wouldn't feel secure. I probably had to go get that Mac Ten and uh, strap up if if they wanted to f- <laughs> if they wanted to uh, defund the police department. Um, now we're gonna shift just a little bit. You know, in you know the Bible, you know it has been said that um, you know there is slavery in the Bible in the New Testament times. Uh, there was a tremendous racial hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles. And if you don't know what Gentiles are, Gentiles would have been considered anybody who was not a Jew. And, you know, during the time of Jesus and even after Jesus and and the time of the apostles, you know, there was a racial tension between Jew and Gentile uh, and between, you know, different various races. You know, how uh, do you feel, you know, especially when we talk about Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement, not the organization, but the Black Lives Matter. We can go back. We can see in the Bible that, you know, racism goes back, um, you know, all the way back to biblical times. But, you know, when Jesus came, he came to stop all that. He, he came to make everybody one, that there would not be a division. He's He separated the middle wall of, of, of partition so that we could all become one and, and there wouldn't be a, se- a distinction between Jew and Gentile. And we've all been born again. Uh, through this new birth experience. Now, when we talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, not the organization, you know, what do you think Christ's view is concerning race reconciliation? And I'm going to ask Mari if he could answer that question. Well, you know, we are all created equally in the eyes of God. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We all, we understand that all lives matter because God made all lives, all lives, all souls are God's. Um, but because there is obviously black lives for some reason don't matter to a certain group of people, the movement is a great movement to, to, to raise awareness to the world that in the statement, all lives matter, black lives matter too. And if all lives actually matter to all people, then we would not be having this conversation in the first place. That's what the movement should be and mean. So when somebody asks, what is God's, what do you think God's view on the movement of Black Lives Matter? I feel as if God is behind it because God is against social injustice. He's against it. So if there is a movement that can bring about good cause, I think God is for it, but you got to listen to your heart and listen to what's called your conscience. It's a moral system that God put inside of every man. Some people were against the peaceful protesting of Dr. King in his day. Some people were, and then they, then they used Bible to back up their beliefs. But guess what? They did it in ignorance because they did not search the scriptures to understand for a deeper understanding that God is for peaceful protesting anytime you get up and you protest something that's evil god is for that if if i protest against sin by preaching and by withstanding 
I mean, single people who are saved are protesting against fornication. It's called abstinence. See what I'm saying? Right, so right. when you go against the grain, when you go against the wicked ways of society, it's called protesting. And God is for protesting that is peaceful, that leads to righteousness and holiness and equality and fairness. Amen. That's my spiel. I like what you said, Mari. And I think the key is definitely, you know, you know, protesting in, in the spirit of peace, you know, certainly what we're seeing as far as people protesting and, you know, they're looting and they're vandalizing. And, and I believe there were actually some people who were getting killed in some of these protests that we've seen across America. And I read a story yeah. uh, not too long ago. There was a, a black African-American who was a cop who was off duty and he was uh, guarding a pawn shop. And during these protests, there were uh, some looters, African-Americans who had actually come into the pawn shop to steal and to ransack the place. And when the officer, you know, stood up against them, he ended up losing his life and being shot and killed. And these are some of the, you know, repercussions that take place when, you know, people feel like, um, you know, that they can do these type of things and use, you know, this movement as an opportunity to create chaos and destruction. You know, we're supposed to be fighting for a cause. We're supposed to be, you know, fighting for black lives. And yet, you know, when you protest disorderly, it, it, it just kind of destroys what the whole uh, the purpose of the movement is. And it kind of gives African-Americans a, a bad rep. You know, how do you feel about that, Ashley? wholeheartedly that you know um, when you do stuff that's contrary to the cause it does send a wrong message and that's what we don't want to do in today's society we want to stick to the message of um, the reason why we are protesting and then I do so going back to Christ I do feel that Christ wants us to be um, unified and he doesn't want division even when we talk about the Jews and the Gentiles um, I remember Paul addressed it head on by saying um, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. So that's kind of my take on it. When we are baptized, we're baptized in the spirit to be one body. Definitely baptized in the spirit to be one body. Christ's view is definitely that we should all be one, be of the same mind, speaking the same thing. Now, April... Um, we understand today, you know, Black Lives Matter is it's a it's a pretty heavy topic. Um, we know that we have, you know, your people out there who support Black Lives Matter. And then you have your people that come and say all lives matter. You know, what's what is your perspective? How do you feel about, you know, sh should we as African-Americans, you know, only rep Black Lives Matter, especially as African-American Christians? Or should we publicize all lives matter? You know, is 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 you know how do you feel about that? Because there's a lot of different you know opinions on what we have to what we ought to do as Christians today. Yes, I do feel like all lives matter. We all are created in the image of God. Um, God shows no partiality. Um, he shows no favoritism. Instead, we are to love one another. We are to love our neighbor as Jesus command us to love one another. And I feel like we, it's only one race. 
and that's the human race. We have same physical characteristics and different ethnicity, but we are all one. Absolutely. We are all one. And, you know, I look at it from the perspective. I, You know, we understand what the movement is about, what they're trying to highlight, the injustices concerning what's taking place in the African-American community. These cops are killing our young African-American men, and there is no justice. We're not seeing these cops being put in jail. We're not seeing these police officers having to take accountability. A lot of times when they get acquitted, I mean, a lot of times when they, you know, when they, um, you know, when they go to court and they get charged, they end up getting acquitted and, and beat the case. And it just seems like, you know, it's just, it's always we never we never can actually come through and get a win for the African-Americans. Um, you know, our black men are the main target for cops. You know, even when you look at studies and you look at the population and, and the races that are being killed, black people are being killed at a, a at a higher proportion than any other race. And we only make up 13 percent of the population. When you look at our black men and you see uh, how we are, you know, basically seeing them losing their lives like Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and George Floyd and and some of the many others. And there are black men who are being killed by white cops. And as humans and Christians, how do you think that we should treat white cops, cops in general? What should our attitude be towards these cops? You know, like you said earlier, Mari, um, you know, you got a few bad apples who are just kind of making it bad for everyone else. But what do you think we should do as Christians or even just even if you're not a Christian and you're listening, what should our attitude be towards these cops? Well, if you think about if you think about it, if if I look at every cop as if they are a bad guy, then I am prejudiced. I'm guilty of what I'm trying to fight. I'm being prejudiced because prejudice comes from pre-justice or pre-judging. Pre-judging somebody before I get a chance to speak to them, to know their character, and pre-judging somebody just by their appearance and look. So if I look at a cop, and he's white, and I and, and, and all of a sudden my attitude changes, and now I'm uptight. Now I'm I treat him with disrespect. What am I doing? I'm being prejudiced against him, and I don't even know him. That's where prejudice comes from. So white people were guilty of that back in the fifties, and they're guilty of it right now. They see a black person, and they automatically think he's a deadbeat sometime or he's a thug or he's a gangster that's what white people do well if, if you flip the script if I see a white cop with his dark shades on who's hiding his eyes and his identity because that, that's how they do it because you know they they're up under pressure too so they don't want folks to know who they are so they all wear sunglasses if I look at a cop and all of a sudden I have an attitude towards him with, with, without an altercation I am now prejudiced against the cop. So as a Christian, our attitudes towards any cop should be to comply. Yes, sir. No, sir. And make peace with him. Uh, Try to talk it out. Don't get in an argument with the police officer when he pulls you over. If he asks you to do something, comply. 
he might be wrong, but comply anyways. Why? Because as a peacemaker, you must make peace with all men. As a child of God, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So what I must do is when, that, when a police officer pulls me over, I must try my best to comply, even if he's wrong, to still comply. And I guarantee you, you will not get shot. God will protect you. As a child of God, you have angels in camping God around you. If you do what God said to do, I promise you, you will not be subject to police brutality. He will protect you. Be prayerful, but be diligent in complying with what he asks out of you. And I guarantee you, God, he will keep you safe from harm. Now, Mario, you bring up a great point. You bring me to my next question, April. I'm going to direct this question towards you. Do you feel like, you know, African-Americans have a responsibility on how they conduct themselves when they're being approached and stopped by a Caucasian police officer? You know, it's like a lot of times we see these videos pop up and we see, you know, people just they just start going nuts and they start cussing out the police and you know things just go from like zero to 100 in a matter of seconds and it's like do you feel like we as african americans we have a role to play even if a white cop comes to us and we feel like you know the racial profiling us do we still you know owe it to ourselves you know to basically you know keep ourselves from you know to keep a level head in those situations how do you feel about that Yes, we do have a responsibility to conduct ourselves because a lot of a lot of situation spills from a little small situation and and then it turned big. So if you get pulled over, just do the right thing. Um, the officer will do his job. You have your responsibility to just you know. Um, to answer the question, whatever the officer pulled you over, show your ID, whatever the situation may be, because there are a lot of situations that have happened where it would be a small thing and then it, it turned into a big problem. Exactly. So yeah, we do have a responsibility. Exactly. And you know, one of the saddest the saddest, one of the saddest unfortunate situations I've seen was the case with Sandra Bland. You know, the white police officer pulled her over on the side of the road. He approached her vehicle and Sandra Bland was smoking a cigarette. The cop asked her, you know, if she could put the cigarette out. And immediately her response was, you know, I don't have to put my cigarette out. I'm not putting my cigarette out. And immediately with a response like that, the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to cause some type of tension. And because the cop feels disrespected in that situation, I'm not saying that the cop was right. I definitely don't believe he was right. But he wanted to, you know, basically drag her out of the car. There's a scuffle that ended up taking place. And when she got back to the police, you know, to the police department that same night, she ends up dying and it was ruled a suicide. And we don't know what happened when she got to that police precinct. You know, we don't know. But the unfortunate thing is, is that she ended up losing her life and it would appear that it was a direct act of racism. You know, when I think about that situation, I just I have to ask myself the question, would she still be alive today if she would have reacted 
differently. And I think it's so important for our young African-Americans to know and understand that we cannot react the way that we want to when we're approached. How do you feel about that, Ashley? How do you feel about that? I totally agree with you. And as a Christian, my job is not to treat people how they treat me. My job is to treat them better. So going into every situation consciously self-aware as well as being self-controlling and trying to control how I behave no matter how people act towards me. Now, I think of another situation, the Ahmad Abari case, Mari, and we have a situation where this young African-American, you know, he's jogging, he's, he's, he's doing his daily routine. And it was, uh, you know, it was said that, you know, he was spotted at, a, at an abandoned house, a house that was being built. And you have these two, you know, white people who one was a cop, an ex-cop, I believe, and his son, you know, who they saw what he was doing. And then, you know, they wanted to take matters into their own hands. And in a situation like this, you see the video, you see how he was running. And you see how these white guys deliberately chased him down. They, they, they deliberately got out of the truck and Ahmaud Arbery was in a situation where it was, you know, his instincts kicked in where it was either going to be fight or flight, you know. And when you're in situations like that, you have fight or flight situations, you know, and and when. And, and I guess my question that I want to ask today is, is, is there an appropriate time to lash out? You know, we, we do agree. We do understand that there are times where we should be level headed. But is there a, a time where we can lash out and, def and defend ourselves? You know, was Ahmaud Arbery's actions justified? Did Should he have lashed out or should he, you know, even though it wasn't the cops, should he have did what he did? How do you feel about that, Mari? Well, um, I saw the video clip and really we don't know the entire altercation because we kind of got part of the incident. Um, the pickup truck, he was already parked and they were already trying to get him. From what I heard is that they actually, they drove him down. I heard they even bumped him with the pickup truck. So when they bumped him, they hit him. Of course, he was still running and they parked the truck. And the reason why he had to fight was because if you look at the clip, the son got out the pickup truck and he picked up his shotgun and was going to shoot him point blank. Right, right. So you have to understand that you cannot outrun a bullet. So they say your best bet is to confront the person if you're close enough with the gun and try to wrestle him and get the gun out of his hand, which he did. He was wrestling him. But the father, who was a coward, was standing in the back of the bed of the pickup truck with his pistol. And he shot him two times. But at that point, yeah, absolutely. And what happened was, while he had the gun, the pistol pointed at him, while he was standing in the pickup truck, Ahmad was running away. He had already shook the pistol or the rifle or the shotgun out of the son's hand, threw on the ground, and was running when the father was shooting Ahmad two times from the pickup truck while standing. So that was a lose-lose outcome. He couldn't even make it because you had two against one. Two men against one man and two guns against one man. 
one begun the guy wrestled out but the other guy was a coward he was standing from an elevated truck and he shot Ahmad two times very sad that could not have turned out any other way those guys were out to kill him they came prepared well certainly it's going to be interesting to see how you know these two particular cases the George Floyd situation you know we see that four cops um have been arrested and we thank god for that we you know i truly accredit that to the um the movement of black lives matter because if we had not spoken out if there would not have been a protest those cops would possibly still be on the street today so it's going to be very interesting um as we you know move on forward in these upcoming months to see what the verdict is going to be will they be charged guilty or will they be um acquitted of all charges well people we are going to wrap up certainly it was good to have this conversation and we look forward to our next podcast uh where we're going to be talking about obstacles in christ thank you for all of our listeners for tuning in we hope that you enjoyed the conversation if you would like to reach any of us you can reach us on facebook um, I don't have a Twitter account. You can just find me at Isaiah Harper on Facebook. Mari, did you want to give your information where they can find you? Mari, you're on mute. Yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook. Facebook, Mari Coleman or Instagram, Mari Coleman underscore. You can catch me on there. Ashley, how can the people get in touch with you? I am on Facebook, Ashley Adams, regular Ashley, last name Adams. Facebook is the place to be. Sister April, where can the people find you? Yes, I am on Facebook, April Sams, and Instagram, April Sams 3. That sounds good. We hope that you guys tune in on next week. We will be dealing with obstacles in Christ. This is Next Level Faith Podcast. We will see you soon. God bless. Over and out.